Do you know what time it is? It's that time again with Cindy Gern, who has the latest news about employment trends, current opportunities, and innovative strategies for managing a career on WERA 96.7 FM in Arlington, Virginia. Well, hello. This is Jim Thomas, and I'm the host of uh, the Secret Sauce segment of the Workforce Show, and I'm really pleased to have another great guest that we're going to be spending some time um, finding out all about. Uh, Byron Bagley is uh, with me today, and uh, Byron, thanks for being here. Um, you can say yes, you're, you're pleased or not. <laughs> okay, well, well, I'm glad to be here, Jim, well, and I want to thank you for inviting me to be a guest on your show, the Secret Sauce of the Workforce uh, and I look forward to your questions today, and again, uh, I'm delighted to be here, and thanks for the invitation. Well, thank you for coming. I've been um, uh, pleased to um, now do, quite frankly, over a dozen shows. Uh, we've had some um, really interesting guests. The whole show, as I talked to you about uh, previously, but for, my, uh, for the radio audience, um, just to recap, what we attempt to do here is identify people who have had distinguished careers uh, in as entrepreneurs, as business professionals, mm-hmm. uh, as individuals who have have been able to discover their secret sauce, their mm-hmm. purpose, and and build that into a career that's been successful. Not to suggest that uh, we all haven't had uh, mishaps and mm-hmm. challenges. But I, what I have found consistently with those individuals who have had long, successful careers versus jobs is that they really have determined that they are moving down a path that they control yes, and that they mm-hmm. enjoy right. uh, versus being pulled through their jobs and careers um, and and retiring unhappy and, yes. and not wanting to do anything but go fishing. <laughs> right. um, and um, so, so that said... That's one of the reasons why I, I really wanted you to be on the show. Great, thank uh, you. And uh, when uh, I think about your background, uh, it, it's awesome. And I just want to share a little bit about your background with with um, with the audience because I think people need to understand uh, the quality of person that uh, we have here today. Byron, first of all, is managing partner at BMB Solutions, LLC. It's a consulting firm specializing in executive leadership development and coaching and strategic development. However, um, for some time before that, starting uh, in um, when he retired in 2011, he had spent 33 years <clears throat> uh, in the, uh, with the United States Army. He retired as a major general in the United States Army, uh, and he's retired currently. Uh, he's um, had an interesting career in the, in the Army in that he's, he was assigned to five of the Army's 10 combat divisions. Right. So he wasn't sitting behind a desk all of that time. <laughs> Uh, he served in the Pentagon on the uh, uh, Joint Staff in the uh, Directorate of Strategic Plans and uh, Policy and on the Department of uh, Army Staff. Um, if we move forward, uh, he was chief of the Office of Military Cooperation in Cairo, Egypt, you know, leading a staff of uh, over 200 and managing the largest security uh, cooperation program in the world with programs uh, valued at over $1.3 billion dollars. Uh, he was chief of staff of the U.S. Army in Europe, directing all the activities of over a thousand people, including eight general office officers and senior executive civilians, in 30 locations with an annual 
operating budget of, again, over a billion dollars, $1.5 billion. He served as director of operations for Joint Office Command, uh, which is usually known as the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, uh, leading an international staff of almost 200 people from 24 nations. Uh, he ha- He's uh, um, on the board um, for Management Support Technology Incorporated, the board of advisors for Ryan Consulting Group as the chairman. And from 2012 to 2017, he served <clears throat> on the board of trustees at Westminster College. General Bagney is a life member, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> of the uh, Veterans of Foreign Wars and is a combat veteran in operations um, in Granada and in Afghanistan. He's earned his BA in economics from Westminster College and also um, moved forward uh, with his um, service. And he served uh, on the faculty and staff of the University or the United States uh, Military Academy. He earned a master's degree from the University of Northern, uh, North Carolina, and he graduated from the War Army College, um, which gives him, quite frankly, a rather in-depth uh, educational background and certainly prepared him for his uh, outstanding military career. Uh, we're going to come back, but I just I notice also that uh, you have a fairly notable event coming up this Saturday, uh, March 17th. Um, he's going to be awarded um, with um, being inducted into the Hall of Fame at Fulton Public Schools Hall of Fame. Yes. So there are a lot of interesting things going on that have gone on in your career and and fast forward to now are are still going on. Yes. <clears throat> I uh, for the audience's um, um, background and. Uh, understanding. I I met uh, Byron uh, through a leadership uh, breakfast that we attend uh, monthly uh, in the area, and uh, with a lot of interesting people who who attend the breakfast, uh, everyone, many people have a story to tell. And once I had an opportunity to hear uh, just a small bit of Byron's um, story, it, it was clear to me that um, by any caliper of success, uh, he has had a very successful career. Mm-hmm. What I'd like you to sort of share with the audience um, a bit, uh, Byron, if you could, tell us about your career in the military, your current consulting business from your perspective, but what led you to get into the military? Because obviously you probably had options uh, mm-hmm. to do. Yes. Um, but like, like anyone who enters the military or, or goes into business or whatever direction that mm-hmm. they go in, there's, there's something that attracts them and pulls them in that direction. Yes. So maybe you can share a little bit about that because, again, you've, you've spent 33 years of your life in the military, and I'm sure you have some interesting stories to tell about the successes and the challenges you've had uh, as being, uh, quite frankly, a very senior officer in the military. Yes. Well, well, well Jim, th- thank you very much. And, and I will tell you, when I was in college, Studying, uh, I was involved in Army ROTC at mm-hmm. my undergraduate school at Westminster College, and uh, that was quite an experience. And when I earned my undergraduate degree, I was also commissioned as an Army officer. Okay. And I wanted to go into leadership and not so much leadership training. There's a difference. And uh, upon being commissioned, I had a chance to lead people, a small group initially, and my plan, Jim, was to spend three years in the Army to fulfill my obligation mm. and then go to law school. And I applied to a couple of law schools and got into both okay. and then had to make a decision to either continue my Army career or take one of the law school seats that I was uh, selected for. And I said I like the Army. I enjoy leading people, 
trying to make a difference in the lives of soldiers and their families. So I uh, pushed the law school uh, element aside and then stayed another 30 uh, years in the military. Well, you certainly accomplished a three, <laughs> so well, you just well, added 30 to it, right? I did, I did. I did, but, but it was fun, and, and I enjoy leading people. I like being around people, and, and I know that in, in the world that we live in, there's a, a dollar amount, ultimately. There's a balance sheet that must have the numbers match, but there is a human dimension to everything, whether you're leading a Fortune 500 company, a small startup, whether you're leading a military organization, whether you're a school principal, there's a human dimension to everything in our society. And I was honored to have served our military for 33 years and leading a lot of men and women from a number of countries in my NATO assignment and from all over the United States and trying to make them uh, better citizens and, and better soldiers. And, and, uh, and, and I also have had a lot of great mentors in my career. I believe in mentorship and giving back. I've had people that, for whom I've worked over the years that have helped develop me and helped me to overcome my shortcomings and to be the best leader that I could be. Um, and, and, and for them, I'm, I'm appreciative for what they've, what they've done for me. If I could just um, interject something you, you, you touched on that I think a lot of uh, individuals miss. Uh, and I grew up um, in my corporate career having mentors and, and do still today. Uh, however, uh, when I talk to my clients and I talk to any any number of individuals even over the years who are either currently working or working in the past, and I ask them, well, do, well, do you have a mentor? Do you have a coach? And, and many have said no. And and I found that curious because uh, I was fortunate to, to start my business career with Ford Motor Company, and I was it was required that I have a mentor. Yes. Uh, and I still recall um, – um, you know, Bob Garrity was my mentor. He happened to also be at the time the general manager for the plastics, paint, and vinyl division of Ford that I was part of. And, and so I was lucky enough to have a very senior mentor who kept me out of a lot of potholes that were out there. Yes. And, and I think that's one of the challenges that I see. Many individuals are trying to either fake it till they make it or try to figure it out on their own without realizing that <laughs> – we're not good students of history sometimes. We yes. don't really understand that some, you know, the wheel really was created before us. We don't have to recreate it. it and, was. and there are many individuals who know that who can help us in our career. So one of the, one of the suggestions I make to all of my clients is that, you know, you should really think about having a mentor, someone yes. who you respect, someone who has had a um, successful career or has had a career where they've experienced a lot that they can pass on. Um, and, you know, and many, I find many individuals very approachable to want to share what they've, uh, they've right. acquired. Yes. Um, and, and I think part of leadership is, is knowing that no leader stands alone. They didn't get there by happenstance. You know, they acquired a lot of knowledge and understanding of how to lead people by virtue of those mentors who, who passed on knowledge about how that process worked. Yes. And so I'm, I'm pleased to hear that you, you realized that early on and have had mentors in, in your career. Um, as, as I, as I said, as I suggest to many who I work with that they should have that also going forward. Absolutely. Um, there, there are too many challenges uh, and experiences that are required of people today working uh, to think that you can go it alone and be totally successful. That's uh, correct. You know, it's um, you know I do as I you know the, the whole secret sauce 
mantra that I use in the show is comes out of the fact that I do a lot of cooking. Yes. But I can tell you, when I get stuck, there are, there are a couple of really good chefs that I call and say, help. <laughs> help <laughs> yes. is not working. Yes. Uh, and, and they're very pleased to pass on their knowledge. And I think that that's something that as the human condition is so sometimes overlooked, but there, there are always individuals who are willing to pass on knowledge. That's correct. Um, you know, it's, it's, it gets down to are we in a society where individuals are more comfortable or less comfortable asking? That's correct. Um, so tell me more about your background. Well, if, if I could talk about the mentorship piece, sure. I, I, I totally agree with having a, a coach and a mentor, and those two are different. By the way, very different. That's true. Uh, And I will tell you, I've accumulated over the years a number of points on leadership. And the number one point I make to those I mentor is you must know yourself. If you don't know yourself, there's no way you can lead anybody else. And we all have blind spots, things that we don't see or are not aware of. And having a mentorship dimension in our lives, formally or informally, that helps us to see our blind spots and be able to you know, shore up certain things that are going on in our lives that we may not be aware of. And I think that anyone who wants to be the best leader that he or she can be should try to uh, adopt a mentor, find someone that's in their skill set and their sector of society and have that person be a mentor. I mentor a number of people from college up to um, almost my age, and, and I enjoy doing that to try to help them understand themselves better and how they can lead and, and be a a good team member in a, a not-for-profit or the for-profit community, Jim. Do you think that um, from your perspective, given the fact that you have had a number of positions where leadership has been extremely important, um, maybe you can share with the audience your leadership style. What what are the sort of the key characteristics, the key competencies that you feel have kept you moving forward and, and being successful as a leader? That's a great question, Jim. As you mentioned, I spent 33 years in the Army. I had 24 jobs in 33 years. So I'm changing jobs every 18, 20 months, going from a a different post to a different seat to a different billet where I need to learn a new set of authorities, Mm -hmm. a new set of responsibilities, a new set of uh, leaders who work for me, direct reports, and uh, and in my superiors. that changes every year, a year and a half for mm-hmm. me in a 33-year career. And, and I have found that se- there are several things that I think are key. You must know yourself, and you must have a passion for what you do. If I got up every Monday morning and said, I do not want to go to work, I, don't, I hate going to the office, uh, if that happens every week, you should find <coughs> something else to do. Yeah. People, yeah. whatever field you are in, you need to have a passion for what you do whatever it may be. And on the other hand, need to have a compassion for those you lead. Sure. There's a human dimension to mm-hmm. everything, as, as, as we talked about other, uh, a little earlier. Mm-hmm. And then uh, another key uh, tip that I've learned over the year, Jim, years, Jim, is to keep yourself physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually fit. Uh, we talk about staying fit. It's important to go to the gym and run or ride a bike. But there's also a, a dimension of keeping yourself mentally fit, emotionally fit, and then uh, buying into the values of your company or your section. But those are some things that I have learned over the years that I think have helped me achieve a degree of success. And I try to pass those tips on to people that I've led over the years and uh, have tried to keep them 
on the uh, on the upward path toward uh, whatever their success field is. Um, as leaders rise in the the ladder, whether it's in the military or in corporate America or in the higher education, whatever it may be, initially you are a manager, and managers and leaders are two different. They're very different. Uh, managers they do planning organizing and controlling very detailed work at the lower levels. And as you rise up the ladder in corporate America or in higher education, in a law firm or in the military, you begin doing more leadership. And leaders set direction, they align resources, and they motivate and inspire. They do more of the value setting. They set the vision for the organization. They provide kind of a direction that the group should move in, and those at lower levels do the detailed planning, organizing, and controlling to make to make things work. And and those are things that I try to teach those clients I work with, those companies, those banks that uh, have been part of my clientele over the past several years, uh, uh, school districts, uh, and other organizations to try to make them better, to help them learn where the dividing line is between being a manager and being a leader and then at some point helping those who are managers to become, you know, good, solid, authentic leaders as time goes on, Jim. You know, it's so important that you said that because I think there is a, there clearly is a difference between managing people and leading people. And what I've found over the years is that um, <laughs> clearly I believe, and, and you may, you may uh, debate me on this as others have, but I think that it's easier <clears throat> to move into a management position than it is to move into a leadership position because all of the, the knowledge and processes, procedures, policies that you've acquired and worked on and implemented through um, teammates, through those who were subordinates, um, is sort of a comfort zone. Moving into leadership requires a whole new set of skills that are that are – are to some um, invisible. Yes, they're they're they're. It's not structured in a way where there's a manual that you can go to. Uh, there's not a process. There's not a procedure. It's your innate ability to strategically look at people and as a resource, as as individuals who you now provide guidance, uh, comfort. You now are have to be engaging, uh, persuasive. Um, Qualities that speak to your your humanity, your human side versus right. your versus your <clears throat> uh, your management, or to use a different word, your your constructive side of how I'm going to construct things and processes. Uh, it's less construction. It's <clears throat> it's um, it's somewhat amorphous. You know, you can't hold it. It'll <laughs> slip through your hands That's as right. a leader. That's right. And so I find that uh, those who I've um, coached who are in leadership positions, uh, some are not as comfortable in that That's position. Right. But you know, as you go up the the pinnacle, um, we pay leaders quite a sum of money and yes. provide bonuses and equity and other perquisites because of the. Uh, responsibilities that they take on. That's right. Um, where they really have to explain um, and and um, rally the troops in a way where they want to work for you. That's right. It's not, well, I have a job, but I can do this job anywhere. 
That's right. What gets them out of bed, to your point, Monday morning, say, I'm going to go work for Byron. Right. Because I know that he's there. Uh, he has the passion. He has the interest in my career. He's going to provide me the development. He's not going to micromanage me. Yes. He's not going to talk process and procedure necessarily as much <laughs> as what's inside your head that you can bring to the workplace and, and provide the level of value that you have. And by the way, I'm going to get out of your way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and that's the, um, the dividing line, the, the change, the, the challenge of leadership that, uh, quite frankly, I see today because there are many wanting to hold on to that piece of management. You know, knowledge is power. And if I have more power than you, then I can be a leader. No, not at all. Not necessarily at all. That's so right. I think that's the, the, um, the uh, conflict I think many leaders by title yes. are having today relative to, boy, you know, this is a different job than, you know, I hear all the time. Well, this is a different job than I had when I was managing people. <laughs> I still have the same people, but I'm, I've, I'm a leader and I have to act differently. I, I, you know, I can't touch as much. And that's, um, to some degree, creates a level of um, un, un discomfort uh, because in some cases, the compassion, to your point, and the passion isn't there. Yes. Uh, if the compassion and passion is there, it's easy to segue into a management position. Yes. Because you're comfortable now in your own skin. Yes, you know that's what right. You, you know what you know. That's right. And you know what you can pass on, and you know by virtue of that, individuals are going to get out of bed Monday morning, and they're going to feel comfortable that you are going to lead in a way that allows them to grow. That's correct. Versus just doing a job. If, if I could talk about one thing you mentioned. You used a term earlier called micromanaging mm. in your last and I will tell you, as a leader moves up the, the corporate ladder or the moves up to higher positions within an organization, he or she needs to understand how to delegate and how to how to give their key uh, subordinates, how their direct reports, guidance to get things done. They can't do it all themselves. And there's an art to doing that. Um, I've seen leaders who can do it very uh, skillfully. And I've seen some fail miserably at how they delegate a job that they used to do themselves and could do it very well. And sometimes you have to accept an 80 percent solution by someone who's learning how to do it. That's true. When you were doing that job yourself two years ago and now you're uh, over that individual. But how you delegate, Jim, that's an art. And leaders need to understand how they do that and not micromanage when they can go down and do a a task to uh, 100% proficiency and accept 80, 85% initially, and then the other person becomes more proficient at it and uh, might need some training or development to help them get to where they are. You know, it's, uh, it's interesting you say that because um, the word that came to mind as you were talking was having patience. Patience. You know, there's things that I can do. And I, look, I can do this job in five hours, but if I give it to my subordinate or the person who works for me, it's going to take them 10 hours to do it. <laughs> uh, I can't wait 10 hours. You know, I'm six hours into it, I'm saying, geez, maybe I should take that back because I, I have all the experience, all the ability. And <laughs> my point earlier, knowledge is power. But how are those individuals going to develop? How are they going to be the next generation of leaders if you don't give them the opportunity to stand up and fall? My biggest leadership challenge, quite frankly, yes, uh, having led a number of people in my career, happened 14 years ago okay. when my son was born. Okay. <laughs> when, <laughs> because when he became two, the only word he knew consistently was no. <laughs> Everything I said, no. <laughs> and then he evolved, <laughs> thank yes. God, into um, you know, accepting that there were things he had to do on his own. And yes. I gave him an opportunity to fail and to succeed. That's right. And now at 14, um, 
I have to look around and say, where are you? <laughs> because, you know, he's now just off doing stuff. And, yes. and I have to periodically, you know, swoop in and say, well, how are things going? And he'll give me his one word answer. Fine. Yes. <laughs> no, no, give me a whole sentence. <laughs> and then I feel comfortable as a leader that, you know, I've, I've really given him the opportunity to fly. That's correct. And, and I think back to those who I work with who've worked out to be very successful in their careers. And I realize that, geez, you know. I probably had more sleepless nights than they did about their careers because I was that that impatient parent almost and segueing into leadership where I had to sort of learn how to let go. That's right. Say, okay, but you know, but providing them the opportunity to know that look, you're only, I'm only going to let you fall so far before I catch you. That's correct. And that's the 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 premise of what was my leadership style because I knew that you had to kick them out of the nest. That's right. Because you knew that they could make it happen. They could get things done. But because you also have this corporate responsibility, <clears throat> you always have to have that safety net. That's you always right. have to be able to sweep in and say, look, you know, we're, you know, we really do have a deadline. That's correct. <laughs> and, and I don't want to die today. <laughs> so right. let's, you know, let's see if we can collectively get to where we need to be. And, and usually right. most individuals are okay with that. But it wasn't about, to your point earlier, micromanaging. It was about making sure that uh, individuals got to a place where they were able to kick me out of the seat and take over. That's right. And, and I will tell you, Jim, as a leader, leaders need to be able to underwrite honest mistakes. Mm-hmm. If someone puts 100% effort into something and yeah. it doesn't quite turn out to standard, then underwrite that, and mm-hmm. that person will grow to That's where true. they can improve on their proficiency and their experience level, Jim. That's true. Mm-hmm. And uh, so so that said, look, you've had you know, you've had a successful military career. You've, you're six years into your own firm, and, I'm, and I know that you're doing well. Mm-hmm. Um but um, like, like all of us who are uh, getting long in the teeth, you start thinking, you know, is my, is my bucket list completed? You know, what, what's left for you to do? What, is, what are those, those, um, those bucket list items that you've thought about, something that you want to do before you move on to something else that you might turn out doing in your career or, or, or retire? Not that anyone does that anymore. We sort of repurpose ourselves. But is there something that um, you still are – are interested in doing in your life that you haven't done yet? Well, well, Jim, I will tell you, I don't you use the term retire. I don't think <laughs> I will ever retire. I think I will reduce my workload over mm-hmm. time, but mm-hmm. I will stay busy. And I'll, that's part of keeping myself emotionally mm-hmm. and mentally fit. I will do something as long as I can, uh, as long as I'm able to do so physically. Mm-hmm. But bucket list, I'm trying to improve my skill set in cybersecurity the ah, past okay. six months. I've okay. gone to a couple of classes. Mm. A couple of seminars. Carnegie Mellon University runs a great uh, program for cybersecurity oversight, and I'm trying to improve my own proficiency and understanding of cybersecurity. So I've been to a few courses. I've been to some seminars to try to improve my understanding of the terminology and and the techniques you can use to protect a company from uh, cyber attack. So that's kind of my next. Uh, goal line is to try to become more cybersecurity proficient. Well, I, I think you're hitting on something there because um, I think it's important with the technology that's available yes. and with um, with uh, so many individuals who have too much time on their hands to to <laughs> to, to mess with people and their computers and 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 finances and, right. and private information. That I think that we all need to and need to move into a, a, an area where we are <clears throat> more cyber conscious That's right. uh, and aware. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's more than just um, you know seeing something and saying something anymore. It's about how am I protecting all the 
uh, privacy that I want to have in my life, knowing that it's, right. it's more than, you know, it used to be if you had a lock on the door, you were in good shape. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's not about a lock on the door anymore. That's uh, right. It's it's about having a, um, a security mm-hmm. mindset that's um, surrounded with, you know, the appropriate understanding of all the potential um, uh, I'll just call them viruses that are waiting to <laughs> to um, creep uh, into your life. That's right, and, and cause you some some challenges. Yes, but look, it's been it's been a pleasure having you on the show. I it, the t- time always goes by too quickly. <laughs> uh, I can share with you that um, I've learned a lot just listening to you. Certainly about um, your leadership style, what yes. you've done uh, in your career. Um, and there's so many other facets of you that I want to get uh, into at some some future point in time so we'll have you back because I know Great, that Jim. with all the things Thank you're you. doing at um, you know, uh, B&B Solutions, uh, there'll be a, a number of interesting success stories to tell that we weren't able to get into today. That's right. That sounds good. Um, yeah, and um, Byron, I appreciate you being my guest and we're going to sign off and thank you very much, sir. Well, Jim, thank you very much as well. It's been thank a pleasure. You. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to The Workforce Show. This interview and others can be found at WERA.FM or at careercentralonline.com. Thank you for listening. Until the next time.